Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. If the God of the Bible really exists, I would go gladly to hell. And anybody happy to go to heaven to worship such a creature is morally bankrupt. It is because God's wrath is real that his mercy is relevant. Unless you have a real wrath, the biblical concepts of mercy and of grace are robbed of their meaning. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And a bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. The pagans are acting like pagans again. I'm sorry, that was the wrong sound effect. My, my bad. This is Wretched Radio. Bringing you church news. Sounds a little pagan. To Arizona we go. A big to-do in the Roman Catholic Church, at least in one particular parish, where the priest, it turns out, has blown it thousands of times. How exactly did he do that? His baptismal invocation was incorrect. Did I say invocation? His baptismal incantation was correct because that is precisely what this is. Did you know that the Roman Catholic Church, as recently as 2020, has rendered a verdict on what pronoun, singular or plural, should be used when a priest baptizes somebody who wants to Hopefully go to heaven. Vatican's Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith affirmed in 2020 that baptisms conferred with the phrase, we baptize you, are not valid. It has to be the singular, I baptize you. Please remember your pronouns because you are going to hear this priest and the Roman Catholic Church explain why it's so crucial. Because it's not the congregation that baptizes somebody. It's somebody else. But then it seems to me we should be using third person and not first person singular. Here are the details. A Catholic priest has resigned after he was found to have performed baptisms incorrectly throughout his career, rendering the right invalid for thousands of people. If you're not familiar with Roman Catholic dogma, Baptism is the entry point into the church. This is also where infused righteousness is given to an individual. It is not permanent. It is not complete. It is infused. It is injected. Think of this type of, think of baptism as the jab. You put it into you. Oh, this is actually going to work. You, you, you put it into you and it, it, it doesn't last. <laughs> Same thing is true. For infused righteousness, of course, Protestants believe in imputed righteousness. We are credited with the righteousness of Christ. And even though we still sin as believers on this side of the veil, we still have his righteousness credited to us. The difference between Roman Catholic justification and righteousness and Protestant righteousness is internal and external. The Roman Catholic Church would say your righteousness gets shot into you via baptism. So it, it's it's you get it put into you, but you've got to maintain it. And if you biff it, well, you've got to regain it. 
through works, typically works of love. Protestants, of course, teach, no, your justification and righteousness are outside of you, in a safe place, in the person of Jesus Christ. You don't have to worry about it. You are totally forgiven forever. Your sins are nailed to a cross. That's good news. What the Roman Catholic Church teaches about salvation is not. It becomes very quickly a work-righteous system. No, it doesn't become. It is straight out of the gate because somebody has to do the work of baptizing their child. And if they don't do that, well, then the kid can't be entered into the church. He can't have his infused righteousness. The child is without hope. So it's a works-based system from the jump. The priest used the phrase, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He should have said, I baptize you. The Diocese of Arizona explain. Here's the details that reveal the problem with the Roman Catholic understanding of baptism. It is not the community that baptizes a person and incorporates them into the church of Christ. See, that's what baptism does. Jesus doesn't bring you into his church. Water and an incantation brings you into the Roman Catholic Church, according to Roman Catholicism. So it's not the body that baptizes. It's not the community. Rather, it is Christ and Christ alone who presides at all sacraments. So we need to call him down for that. And therefore, it is Christ who baptizes. If you were baptized using the wrong words, that means your baptism is invalid and you're not baptized. How many people are we talking about? Thousands of people. Now, it seems to me, I'm, I'm not a grammaturician. I don't even know what the word is. But it seems to me that if the Roman Catholic Church teaches that baptism is performed by Christ via the priest, shouldn't the priest say he is baptizing you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? See, I think just the whole thing is a dog's breakfast. But consider the thousands of people who now believe your baptism wasn't valid. Can I just state for the record, if you were baptized as a believer, not as a baby, but as a believer, it doesn't matter... Okay, the person who baptized you can't say, in the name of Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and who's who's another? One of those rascally Democrats, Jimmy? Uh, oh, you put me on the spot. Oh, Taya Cart- oh, I, oh, yeah. I, I never remember the lady's name. Yeah. Um, that one. AOC. AOC. And in the name of AOC. Okay, they can't do that. But a pronoun? Furthermore, do we even... I wonder if we even see a pronoun in the baptism quote formula. Didn't Jesus say, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I don't think we even have a verse that says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jimmy, can you think of a place where that occurs? I can't either. Uh, Having said that, you got something? Yeah, Great Commission? Yeah, that no, it's it's that, baptize them in the name of the Father, not I baptize you in the name. No, no, here's right, here's right. what you say. Right. I, okay, I see what you're We saying. baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We proclaim that because we believe that. But if you goof up on a pronoun, which I'm not even sure is a goof up, suddenly what happened there is invalid. Why? 
would the Roman Catholic Church take that approach? Why would they have that understanding? It is because they think that baptism is made valid by the one who performs the ceremony. Baptism isn't valid based on the individual whose profession of faith is the reason that they are being baptized. The difference is massive. So if you've been baptized and you're a believer, and maybe the words weren't said exactly right, the person stammered, or the person even apostatized, they're not even a Christian anymore. Don't don't panic. This is it's it's this is this is not Christian mysticism or paganism. This ceremony is a heart expression. It is a public testimony to the body, to the world. I'm a Christ one now. And it is not the individual who dunks you. Hopefully you were dunked. In fact, there you go. Okay. You weren't dunked. And now you you discover, wait a second, the argument for immersion baptism is rather overwhelming. Your baptism is valid. Don't, don't, don't think that you've got to go run and get it done again. Think about the thousands of people who are baptized by this priest. What this means for you, this is the diocese speaking. What this means for you is if your baptism was invalid and you've received other sacraments, you may need to repeat some or all of those sacraments after you are validly baptized as well. <laughs> okay, how many times did I go to communion when I was baptized wrong? It didn't count. What are we seeing again? That the sacraments do something in and of themselves. Now, the Roman Catholic Church has seven, Protestants have two, but the Roman Catholic Church believes that they actually do something. When you take communion, you're getting forgiven. You're consuming the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Protestants believe No, we are doing this meal in remembrance of him that he broke his body, shed his blood for the forgiveness of my sins, and the elements don't do anything for you. That's mysticism. That's paganism. All of the other sacraments the priest conferred are valid, but because baptism is the sacrament that grants access to all the others, a botched baptism could invalidate any subsequent sacraments including confirmation, marriage, and holy orders. How heavy is this? How how sad is this? There's nothing joyful in the sacraments of the Catholic Church. They're all duties. There's nothing celebratory. It's all works. And the fact that you've got to utter a particular formula that has been authorized by the church that we don't find in the Bible would indicate what you're hearing from the Roman Catholic Church on baptism doesn't sound like biblical Christianity. It sounds like mysticism or paganism. This is Wretched Radio. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, affordable biblical health sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 
400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. I know you didn't think we could do it, but hey, we did, and we've over-delivered on Road Trip to Truth Season 2. It's here now, and it's on sale at roadtriptotruth.org or wretched.org slash roadtrip. Don't miss out on all new topics and new experts with, of course, the same great host, John Fabares. Road Trip to Truth Season 2 and all of our resources are made possible by the support of our gospel partners. If you're a gospel partner already, we want to say thank you. Your generous gifts have made it possible for Wretched, Road Trip to Truth, Wretched Worldview, our drive-by series, or our new upcoming television series, Transform, to be created and reach millions of people all over the world. Thank you so much to our gospel partners. If you're not already a gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Just visit wretched.org donate to find out how you can support our goal in reaching the world with the gospel. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. Permit me to introduce you to Brie and Salvation Dominoes Preborn Style. When one person gets saved, they have that burning desire to just make him known the same way that was made known to them. And then it's just this domino effect. Brie currently volunteers at a preborn life center. How did she get saved? From a friend whose mother got saved at, you guessed it, a preborn life center. Why? Because preborn, it is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. And look at the domino effect. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Clement of Rome lived from AD 30 to 100, was a student of the Apostle Peter, and served as the Bishop of Rome. He wrote a letter to the troubled church in Corinth, warning against envy and immorality, emphasizing humility and repentance. His letter continued to be read during worship services for 80 years. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Church news! Didn't, didn't realize acting was this hard. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. Hoping that you enjoy church. You okay, Todd? Yeah, are you sure? I'm fine. Let, really. it, let it out. We're here. I was wrong. 
Oh. I don't need to Fonzie that one. I was just flat out wrong. It couldn't be more obvious if it were a button hook in the well water. Recently, I claimed the crown of the worst alliterator ever. That's right. In writing a book, a chapter on why did God create intimacy, I tried to alliterate it because, well, it seemed to be a good idea at the time. And overall, the first three I thought were quite good. The fourth one was a radical stretch. Therefore, I concluded I don't see anybody else even wanting to claim the crown of worst alliterator. But then I was watching a compilation video of Phil Johnson and John MacArthur. Funny moments. And they are indeed funny moments. But when I bumped into this snippet, I realized it's time to take the bad alliterator crown off of my head and place it squarely on the noggin of John MacArthur. And you said uh, you rarely spend five minutes making an outline. Yeah. And can I just say, sometimes it shows. <laughs> but- <laughs> what you're about to hear are two men who have co-labored together for decades. Their relationship is deep. John MacArthur not offended. I'm looking at the smirk on his face. He just is looking at Phil quizzically, but not angrily because he's not offended. Besides, frankly, it turns out he really deserved this. You can say that. You, yeah, you, you no, can in fact, say that. Well, job security. Yeah, no, in fact, my favorite, you, you did a sermon once from Matthew 27 on the miracles that occurred during the crucifixion. Um, and and you had you had doubly alliterated every point. There were like six or seven points. I forget how many miracles there were, but I do remember your outline because it had to do with the tearing of the curtain in the tabernacle, and you called that sanctuary desecration. And then there was the supernatural darkness. And when you got to the earthquake, you called it soil disturbance. No. <laughs> oh. Oh, and I thought my alliteration was spectacularly terrible. Dr. John MacArthur, his grin couldn't be broader, smiling at himself at the moment, not offended or annoyed or perturbed. How dare he bring that up and make fun of it? It would appear their relationship is deep enough and they're mature enough to do a little give and take. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the best I could do with an SD for an earthquake. But no, no you could have said, you know, I, I have to say the Lord has forgiven me for that. <laughs> no, 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 he hasn't because <laughs> because it turns out his terrible alliteration has been codified into the John MacArthur commentary set. <laughs> Whoever edited that part of your commentary left it in there. If you if you look at the Matthew commentary on that passage, it's right there. Soil disturbance. I'm, uh, going... I, I'm the only one who edits the commentary. Okay. But you know that's a very you could only think of that one illustration because that's a very you no, know I, I used could to go try on. to I know I know you could. <laughs> but I used to do that. But I, but it only takes me like it just comes quick 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 and eventually I thought you know this I don't want people getting caught up in it helps in a commentary right because you're 
breaking sections out, but... If you guys use that, make it seismic disturbance or something. I, anyway. Yeah, well, why didn't I think of that? See? <laughs> <laughs> because he's the bad alliterator king. And therefore, it stays in the commentary set. Let's keep tackling church news, shall we? It's nice to hear brothers laugh, isn't it? Could use a lot more of that. Have you have you been laughing as much today as you did three years ago? Do you have as much joy now as you did 36 months ago? Do you have... Uh-oh, I'm in trouble here, Jimmy. 365, that would be 730, 795. Are you as hopeful as you were 1,095 days ago? I wonder if you are. I wonder if I am, honestly, was having dinner with Mrs. Friel. And it dawned on me, I think that I, I'm less quick to just be happy. Uh, less less quick to just smile or to engage somebody and make a crack about something, try to lighten up a situation. I, I've noticed that is not as ready as it once was. And I can't help but conclude if that's true, it is external pressures that are causing that. And I need to go work on my heart and fight for joy and not let all of the bad news that the world is producing get me down. I w- uh, no, that's why I won't back down. Okay, I need a better theologian than Tom Petty. The point is, we've got to fight for our right to have joy. That's much better musical quote right there. That's good. Beastie Boys, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I wonder if they're still touring. Do you think maybe... That they are, and they've reconsidered just how they present themselves now that they're pushing 60. I'm just wondering if that's the case. Let me go back to a church news, specifically a non-church news story. Friel, which one is it? It's kind of both. There's a congregation that has decided that we're not going to do physical church anymore. We're just going to sell the place and do virtual church. After seeing a decline in donations due to COVID, hmm, that's interesting, donations for a lot of churches and ministries went up during COVID, echoing the words that rattle around in my brain from Phil Johnson, huh, how providential is that, from years ago when he said, God's people are very generous. And that is true. God's people are. Goats aren't, but God's people are. And for a lot of churches that stayed biblical, that tried to be loving and truthful during COVID, CRT, elections, they actually grew and received more giving. This one apparently didn't in Denver. And so they decided we're selling the building and moving church permanently online. No, no, you're not, because church isn't online. Was thinking about the whole virtual situation and imagining if I could ever be lured into going there. You put on the goggles and then you have some sort of an immersive experience, which is really what people are after. How do I know? Because We have, is it Comcast at home? Whatever our cable thing is at home. Uh, No, AT and, 
we've got ourselves a cable system at home and they sent us a new box. We've been with it so long. They finally sent us something that you didn't have to wind on the side to operate. So I take the thing out. I put the new thing in. And what do you know? It doesn't work. It just stays on all the time and it gets blazing hot. So I have to unplug it. If we want to watch cable TV, plug it back in. And I wait for it to reboot where it says, you're moments away from your entertainment experience. I I thought I was just going to watch the game, but okay. It's an entertainment experience. That's what virtual reality seeks to do. It brings you into a sense that you're actually experiencing something, but you're not. So I thought, okay. Uh, let's just say, would there be any place I'd like to go? Anything I'd like to see? All right, Tuscany. That, that, that might be the most beautiful postage stamp piece of land anywhere. Would I want to put on goggles to go to Siena or San Gimignano? And the answer is probably not because I can't smell the pizza. I, 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 can't, I can't see the actual people. I'm just seeing pixel, pixels. It's just not real. And while I think there's plenty of concerns with virtual reality, not to overlook the rewiring of the brain and the effects that it'll have further on people's rewiring, but it's just, I don't have to go there. If you're worried about it, don't go. If, if, you're, if your iPhone is a big temptation for you, get a flip phone. We don't have to. This is nothing more in my estimate. Now, I know there's implications of this. I get it. Job, economy, all of that. I really do. But if you're personally concerned, oh, no, or my kids, oh, no, it's just as simple as Nancy Reagan. Just say no. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Did you hear about the Arizona senator who broke with his party last week to block legislation that would have banned gender-affirming care for transgender youth? Tyler Pace is his name, and he voted with Democrats and split the vote 4-4, to which killed the bill. A bill which would have declared physicians may not provide gender transition procedures to anyone under the age of 18. It would have also outlawed puberty-blocking drugs being given to minors. I guess protecting the health of a minor until they're an adult is a terrible thing. A former brand president of Levi recently published an article detailing her 20 years at the company. Jennifer Say resigned her job and refused a severance package that would have required her silence. Instead, she chose to share just how woke the company has become. Say said when COVID first began, she publicly questioned whether schools should be closed, and that's when her trouble started. She was labeled a racist, a QAnon supporter, among other things. Company brass then silenced her. Meanwhile, full support was allowed and encouraged by the company for LGBT rights, voting rights, and gun rights. But an anti-left view was quickly shut down and silenced. (laughs) Imagine that. Our Christian brothers and sisters in Ukraine are asking for prayers as Russia continues to threaten an attack on the country. As we regularly remind you, please make sure that you are praying daily for all of our brothers and sisters abroad. A Christian doctor who was fired in 2018 for refusing to use transgender patients' preferred pronouns, i.e., 
lie to them, has filed an appeal saying his case affects everyone who is concerned by compelled speech. He was ruled against in 2019 when a British judge said, quote, his beliefs about gender were not worthy of respect in a democratic society and incompatible with human dignity. What's incompatible with human dignity is allowing people to live their lives believing a lie. Another Christian doctor in the UK is also challenging a court ban. Dr. Dermot Kearney was blocked by an interim order last year from providing emergency abortion pill rescue therapy to pregnant women who desired the treatment. What? Blocked from saving a baby's life when the mother seeks the help. What kind of sick and twisted ban is this? Let's all pray Dr. Kearney gets an appeals judge that possesses just a sliver of common sense. So, the New York Times seems to think it's clever, or at least the writer who so dutifully claimed in a recent article that unborn babies don't have beating hearts, but rather embryonic pulsing. So, I guess we can just create new terminology to support the things we want, regardless of the facts or any kind of scientific evidence to support it. I guess I'll just go to the bank this afternoon and withdraw a million dollars. And when the teller tries to tell me there's insufficient funds, I'm just going to say, nope. My pretend funds are sufficient. That'll show them. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 732 AD. At the Battle of Tours, Charles Martel turns back the Muslim invasion of Europe. As Islam decimated the church in North Africa and the Middle East, Europe became the new center of Christianity. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And you thought we were done. More church news. day. This is Wretched Radio. Do you long for that day? It is going to be the bomb diggity. Can't help but think about Revelation. Not, not, not that I know the chapter and verse, but I'm thinking about Revelation, which, by the way, I just heard the most pleasantly surprising podcast on the book of Revelation. No S. The book of Revelation. It's two British guys, so of course it sounds smart. And I think it's called Bible Books in 30 Minutes. It popped up in my thing that I've got on that device that is attached to our person. And it was, and I thought, okay, well, let's just see what this is about. And if it's any good, and being a little bit of a skeptic, I thought, probably not. So I thought, what better book to tackle than the book of Revelation? Because they have completed a 30-minute summary of each of the 66 books of the Bible. I listened to the book of Revelation. Um, dudes nailed it. They really nailed it. In fact, I don't know who these guys are. So you, you now know the name of the podcast. I can't tell you that they, they, they crushed it on every single one of the books. But on the two that I listened to, they did a super fine job of giving a 30-minute summary of a book that has caused so much confusion. 
And I suspect these guys might even be a little bit conservative because when they talked about Jesus standing at the door and knocking, one of the fellows said, now this is not Jesus knocking on anybody's heart. This is Jesus knocking on the door of the church, demanding to be let in. And I went, hey, that was a really bad British impersonation. And it is a good theologian who recognizes that Revelation chapter 3 is not a text that supports the idea of telling people to ask Jesus into their heart. Yes, Jesus comes into their heart, but that isn't the, the means, the method that God authorizes. It's repentance and faith. And Revelation 3 does not support the idea that somebody should say, I ask you into my heart. Nothing wrong if somebody does that. But I think over the decades, have we not been a little bit deceived into thinking everybody who does that kind of bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, let's make this snappy, they're saved? Repentance and faith. So here was, here was the gist. So I'm going to give you the 30-second summary of the 30-minute summary because that's as long as my attention span can last. This book is not a bummer. John is very old, the year 95 AD. What is the culture like? What is the climate like when John pens this letter? It's crucial. This is why when you read a Bible book, reading as much about the circumstances, the commerce, the trade, the economic system, who's in power, is there peace, is there war, is there persecution? And when John penned Revelation, Christians were experiencing full-throated expressions of persecution. It was nasty business. Hot pokers pressed against their skin, fed to the lions, dipped in oil, beheaded, tortured to death. Just the most violent, cruel, awful treatment imaginable. That's the context of the book of Revelation under Emperor, I believe, Dionysius. A bad dude. Persecution had been coming on from the jump. Don't forget, persecution of Christians did not start later in the first century or the second century. It started with Stephen. And it makes its way throughout the Bible. And Peter addresses persecution in his epistle. John now, closing up the authorized canon of scripture is writing to a group of people who are saying, what's going on? Why is this happening to us? Where is his imminent return? And John responds with revelation. It was revealed to him and he is passing it on. Context, they're being persecuted. Response to the question, where is God? John sees him seated on a throne with myriads of angels singing the song of the Lamb. What's the message of the book of Revelation? God's got this. This is according to plan. He has not been thwarted in his effort to build the church. He knows what he's doing. His work is finished. He is seated on his throne, and he is not going to be kicked out of his chair and replaced by an emperor who insists, you've got to proclaim once a year that I'm God. 
That's the message of revelation. And as these two Brits pointed out, nice job, fellas, whoever you are, nice job. This is really a book of joy. But isn't it interesting that the book of Revelation has really been kind of turned into this apocalyptic, creepy book? Oh, here's all the bad event. Here's all the terrible stuff. Look at that. And this is that, which is a bad way to interpret the book of Revelation. It is not intended to be read with a newspaper in the other hand or your iPhone in the other hand. Ah, this is that. The grasshoppers are, oh, the beast with the 17 eyes is, nope. The point of revelation is simple. Jesus wins and he has brought you onto his team. That's what God is doing. And incidentally, in first Peter, doesn't Peter do pretty much the exact same thing? First Peter starts out with at least 12 verses where Peter reminds the persecuted saints who they are as, as if to give them perspective. You're being persecuted. We're going to get to that. But the foundation for dealing with it, responding rightly to it, is you're a peculiar people. You're chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You're you're now the people of God. That was a perspective check, and it really follows the message of the book of Revelation. The big things have been handled. These temporal earthly things, they're not pleasant. He gets that. He really does get that. He understands that. He's a sympathetic high priest, yet he doesn't want us to be feeling totally demoralized and defeated because we're not. We've been made victors, haven't we? And so the book of Revelation and the book of First Peter really is a book about changing perspective, lifting our eyes off of this world unto looking at Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, who's seated on his throne, who reigns, who's got this under control. So if you happen to be feeling like the people in the first century who are being persecuted, be encouraged. Look up. Believe in sovereignty. He's ruling and he's reigning. And while you and I look at the earth and Western civilization and we think this thing is just spinning out of control, it is most certainly not. It's just not. God's got it. This is this was his plan. He he decided that this was going to happen before he began the creation of the earth, which took six 24-hour days. This plan that you and I are living through was predetermined by God, and that too should bring you some comfort because he's got you here at this time because he wants you here at this time. He wants you to experience whatever calamities befall this nation, however it turns out to devolve even more, if that's possible. As bad as the environment gets, you don't have to be downcast. Oh, soul, why are you so weary? Look up like the psalmist did and see him high and seated on the throne and you will find yourself less concerned about the carking cares of the world. Seems to me that's a pretty good offer, if you don't mind me saying so. And the reason I believe I brought this up, Jimmy, that was... 
I'm not good at time, but that was more than 30 seconds. A little bit more. So I have, for the last couple of days, been working on a new book. And it's 23 chapters plus a conclusion and an introduction and three appendices. Is it appendices when it's like attached to the end of a book? Or is that just the thing that gets taken out of your stomach when Uh, there's a lot of them? Yes. Writing this book and the the conclusion that I have from the from the twenty three chapters that I've written, God has a singular purpose for this planet. It is to bring glory to Himself through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, and He has, and He is, and He will accomplish that task. And you're in that cosmic drama. We need to play our roles well and not be downcast. This is Wretched Radio. I want to share with you voicemails we receive nearly daily here at Wretched. I can't believe how many times a day I catch myself saying, Todd Creel on Wretched Radio says, I have been transformed by your program. We are grateful to hear the testimonies of our listeners and our viewers, and we want you to also hear the lives that are being impacted by you, our gospel partners. These testimonies aren't about Todd. They're not about Wretched Radio or TV. We wouldn't be able to do the things that we do at Wretched without the support of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider becoming a gospel partner today if you aren't already? Help us to reach the lost all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ because ultimately the glory is all His. It's not Wretched's. It's not even yours. But it is your efforts that help make our efforts possible. And all of those efforts are to the praise and glory of God alone. Get complete details right now at Wretched.org slash donate. Hey, Tomorrow Club supporter, this message from Paul Marty, the director of the Tomorrow Clubs, is just for you. You know, it's been more than 25 years now since my wife Cindy first brought leaders and kids together for the very first Tomorrow Club. Hundreds of thousands of lives have been touched. We're grateful for all the ways you help kids in forsaken places learn to follow Jesus. Thank you for your support of the Tomorrow Club's $30 a month, Disciples 30 Kids in Eastern Europe and now in Africa, where Tomorrow Clubs anticipates they could be opening up 100 new clubs in a year. Would you please consider becoming a Tomorrow Club supporter? Kids clubs that meet in forsaken places, they get loved on, they hear the gospel, they memorize Bible verses, and they're getting saved. To support your own Tomorrow Club, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Well, are you ready for another road trip? Of course you are. Just grab your luggage and let's load up. Okay, not really. You don't need to bring anything but maybe a pen and notebook for our next Road Trip to Truth Season 2 because it's here and it's available now at roadtriptotruth.org. And I know you're asking, how are you guys able to improve on the first season? Well, we have all new experts and new lessons that powerfully counter all of the continuous assaults on Christianity. Those assaults, unfortunately, wind up sidelining many youth and adults. And so we're diving into topics like the gospel, environmentalism, abortion, pornography, agnosticism, 13 total lessons, as a matter of fact, with new experts like Pastor Milton Vincent, Dr. Greg Gifford, Dr. John Street, Scott Klusendorf, Jess Arns, and more. 
Road Trip to Truth Season 2. It's on sale right now. And don't forget about the study guide. It's available as well. RoadTripToTruth.org or Wretched.org slash Road Trip. Books of the Bible The Book of Proverbs is a collection of memorable sayings meant to encourage wisdom for godly living. Each proverb is to be understood on its own, and then in light of the rest of the book, and finally the whole Bible. When you desire wisdom, look to the Book of Proverbs, which reminds us that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If Jimmy doesn't interrupt us again, we'll get to it. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, if you'd be so kind, I just I've got prepared stuff here. Okay, I'll, I'll last keep it segment. Down. You totally threw me off the tracks. Sorry, and caused me to not be organized as I am. Friel, when did that start? Well, let's just say today, uh, a Michigan youth pastor, deep sigh, has been charged with sexually abusing four minors, two younger than thirteen. This isn't the only story that I've seen like this recently, and I can't help but wonder if you've seen these sexual abuse stories inside of the church and you're concerned because some some of these churches are complete stinkers. They're very liberal. They're not very biblical, but actually there has been, there's another big story that broke. It actually came out of a conservative church where a grown man was abusing children under his care. It it just it it's hard to imagine something getting more wicked than that. That an individual who is in spiritual authority over somebody would use that spiritual authority to demand physical authority and abuse their body. It's just woo. Is that ever whoa. We wonder why God is so angry at sin. Did I mention I'm writing a book? And I happen to be on a chapter on the subject of uh um. Uh, Jimmy. Yes. Uh, it's so obs- It's just I can't remember the word on the chapter. It's it's um, lake of fire, weeping, gnashing of teeth. Uh, worm never dies. Hell. Right. Hell. Uh, okay. Writing a writing a chapter on hell, and I was trying to find the very delicate line because it is a fine line. Anytime you say, let's imagine it like this, especially when you bring it into God's realm, I think illustrations can be used, analogies can be used to help somebody understand the point. Got that, but we need to be careful when we start putting words into the mouth of God. It can be done, but wow, do we have to watch out that it is guided by what Jesus actually said versus what we imagined he is going to say. And we need to make sure that we aren't undermining the sufficiency of Scripture, as if we need more than the Bible story. We need to imagine more words from Jesus. Didn't want to do that, but I was describing hell for the individual who's reading the book who has not repented and put their trust in Jesus Christ. They are living in willful rebellion, and they perhaps are wondering why the extreme punishment in hell. And the the, the first answer, and it is a right answer, a right answer, 
because God is angry at the wicked every day. Sin is exceedingly sinful to him. It is a horrific offense to him. It is a stench in his nostrils. It's dog vomit. It's the pus from an oozing sore. Get the picture? He really hates it. But I also think that there's another aspect of the individual's relationship with God that alone could be the reason that hell is so severe. Consider what God has done. Consider what he is doing and going to accomplish. That he created a universe that human beings might know him, enjoy him, glorify him forever. He has orchestrated every single molecule to pull off the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, that sinners might look to him and be saved and ushered into a relationship with God that you can know him and be known by him in, in the most profound way imaginable. I Think of heaven, perhaps. As, as, as a moment in your life when you were just downright giddy, something happened that just caused an effusion of emotions. Just, oh, yes. Yes. Jimmy, you got any of those moments that were really thrilling to you? Oh, absolutely. Oh, you want that? You mean elaborate? What, yeah. Uh, my wedding day. Okay. Wedding day it is. Yes. Boy, as soon as you said wedding day, hmm. the wedding that I was at recently, the groom when he was waiting for the bride to come in, it's it's just vivid in my mind. I can I can just see the poor fellow struggling to hold it together. Mm. And as the moms and dads walked in, and his, you can you can it's like okay, his face is about to get violent with a you know the that horrible look that we all get when we when we cry. And then she appeared with Paco Bell's Canon and D playing. Now that could make you cry all by itself, but he was just quivering and he was experiencing a profound emotion. He was crying like Jimmy Hicks at his wedding. Were you, were you crying at your wedding, Jimmy? Uh, kinda. Yeah. Yeah. You can, it's like, okay. So try to recapture that feeling as, as best you can. Now take that times infinity. That's what you get with God. You get him. You get the best thing. And every good feeling that you have ever had, any wonderful experience that you have ever lived, is going to be that way more. And there are people who say, no, I don't want you. You are not invited into my life. You can just stay out. I'm going to run things the way that I want because I don't think your ways are the best ways. Hell is hot. And it is the furious wrath of God that is being poured out on those who have not repented and put their trust in Jesus Christ. And yes, it is because of their sins. But it is also because they have rejected him. They've rejected Jesus. See Jesus on the cross, beaten and bloodied, saying, it's finished. Saying to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. No, I don't want you. That's what the unbeliever says. 
Is it any wonder that God is so hot about sin? And perhaps no sin could be more grievous than one in spiritual authority who has abused their office to abuse a young person. Four minors, two younger than 13. What captured my attention on this really was twofold. The response of the parents and the response of the other parents in the congregation, so all the parents, and the response of the church. Let's start with with parents so that you don't want to just immediately pull your child out of every youth program. Don't do that. These occasions that we see and we get exposed to, they're, they're probably more common than what is revealed because they will often fly underneath the radar. But we see enough of them to go, all right, we, we just need to be mindful. Let's not be stupid. Because there are people who can be imposters. There are people who can be in ministry for many, many years. They preach wonderful sermons, and it turns out they're a heretic, or they apostatize, or they live in such a way that is incompatible with their profession of faith, and they exist. Do you have one in your church? Don't think that you do unless you have any sort of indication that that might be the case, don't brand or label your dear pastor as a pedophile. Just be wise, mom and dad. Just be wise. Think about the safety of your child. And it might not, by the way, need to be from somebody who's an authority. It could be from a peer. The overnight sleepover lock-in business Just think long and hard about that, mom and dad. We do not want to become Henny Penny regarding the abuses in the church, but we don't want to be naive either. So don't don't cause your child to freak out. Don't you panic. Just be wise. That, I think, is the Christian response to these horrific stories. But what about the church response? Two counts of second-degree criminal sexual conduct of a person younger than 13. Two counts of fourth-degree criminal sexual conduct of a person aged 13 to 16. Also charged with distributing obscene matter to children, aggravated indecent exposure, and using computers to commit a crime. How did the church respond? Well, that to me is the big story. Some churches are nailing it. Other churches are covering it. Don't do that. If a crime has been committed, the individual has put him or herself outside of your spiritual authority. Yes, you need to deal with this as a spiritual issue, but that person has taken a grand leap outside of the church into the realm of the governing authorities who bear the sword for this very reason, and you need to turn them in. You need to call the police, and you need to let justice prevail through the court system. And while the fellow's sitting in the pokey, you can visit him and deal with his soul. But please don't be one of these. Some of these churches are doing well. Other ones, they're just moving the pastor on. They're shuffling him off to a new place. Church, let's do better than that. And until tomorrow... Go serve your king.